0: It's officially NFL Scouting Combine week in Indianapolis. What did the Seahawks look for from players from offensive groups? Rob and I are going to be breaking down thresholds here on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks, your daily podcast covering the Seahawks five days a week, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here for Mock Draft Monday by my co-host in crime, Rob Rank. It is officially NFL Scouting Combine Week in Indianapolis, so we're going to be taking a look today at some offensive players that have a chance to raise or lower their stock at the Combine, and we're going to be taking a look at a few latest mock drafts coming from experts, including Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com. Jam-packed episode coming your way, so let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on our Mock Draft Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. The Combine is still in Indianapolis. Thank goodness the festivities remaining at Lucas Oil Stadium, as well as the Convention Center this weekend through the end of next week. And This has certainly been an event that has a lot of bearing on what the Seahawks do come draft season, Rob. And so what we're going to take a look at, we do this every year, and we update our data with what the players did at the Combine the previous season on the Seahawks draft class. We have done that with 2022. We're going to take a look at the thresholds that the Seahawks have lived by in all of the height, weight, and athletic testing metrics. And we got to start with the most important position on the football field, right, Rob? Let's start with the running back position, which Ken Walker III was added to this group last season. And as our YouTube viewers can see, the running back position there's been a pretty specific body type for the most part. The Seahawks have looked for between five foot nine and six foot tall, two hundred and one pounds being the lightest to two hundred and twenty eight pounds. Forty yard dash. Most of the guys have been in the four fours and four fives, but four six two is the slowest. And maybe the area that has been the biggest deciding factor for John Schneider and Pete Carroll has been the quickness and agility drills. The three cone and short shuttle. Three cone, the slowest time, 7.18 seconds, and the short shuttle, the slowest time, 4.32 seconds. Those are still pretty quick times in both of those drills. So that seems to be what the Seahawks have prioritized the most in terms of athletic testing from that position rather than straight line speed.
1: Yeah, it is interesting to kind of look at it from that regard, Corwin, because it's very clear that the Seahawks do have a certain body type that they have preferred in the past. And that's interesting because this year's draft class features a great number of running backs who fit kind of outside those parameters, especially a bunch of smaller, very quick backs. Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State is a player that I've highlighted before, but he would be significantly smaller than any of the running backs that the Seahawks have drafted during the Pete Carroll and John Schneider And that's another thing that I think is kind of important to to mention here is just the fact that Pete and John and their respective staffs have been working together for so long. So this data, it has, you know, basically stood up to the test of time. Whereas if you were going to look at those types of numbers and the, the the you know, the, um, <clears throat> the thresholds for positions for some of the other teams out there and the scouting staffs and coaching staffs that haven't worked together for nearly as long, then it wouldn't be quite as illuminating as this one is. So I think it's important to look at the running back position because as we talked about, the Seattle obviously has big decisions to make at that position, even though they have Ken Walker III. Um, to me, one of the other fascinating ones is going to be wide receiver. And this is one you're going to see a great deal of variance between the bigger, taller receivers that Seattle has selected. Of course, like a DK Metcalf or Dariq Young in that 6'3 to 6'4 range, but all the way down to smaller receivers like 5'8, uh, you know, 175 pounds all the way up to 229 pounds. So while there was a, a three-inch variance between all of the running backs that Seattle has selected over the last decade and a half, it seems like. There is a almost a foot, or excuse me, half of a foot difference, um, be at the, the wide receiver position, and I think that again, it, the 40 yard dash time has been important to Seattle for the most part. Certainly, the top prospects that they have selected have been running consistently in the 4-4 four, four range. That's where Tyler Lockett ran, DK Metcalf, D. Eskridge, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But Seattle has been a little bit more willing to look outside of the box with some of the the receivers that haven't tested as fast in the 40 yard dash, but usually have very good quickness and certain. Certainly, Seattle has shown a focus on ball skills. They usually want guys who can pluck the football outside of their frame because Seattle likes to throw the ball down the field so much.
0: And well, We do know the story from DK Metcalf's combine, how he ran a blazing 4-3, 3-40-yard three, three, dash, but his three-cone and short-shuttle times – we're near the bottom of the receiver group, and so that has not been something that has been a deal-breaker for the Seahawks. A player struggles in those two areas, but they run fast in the 40, and vice versa. They've drafted some players that have done really well in the short shuttle and three cone and had good but not great 40-yard dash time. So there doesn't seem to be a set parameter, but most of the receivers Seattle has drafted that have ended up being quality contributors have ran in the four fours. And the four threes, typically the fast guys have been the ones that have panned out more for the Seahawks. If you look statistically in the John care or John Schneider, Pete Carroll era. Now let's go to the tight end position because I know Seattle is loaded at tight end right now, but we've talked about this. They got two players in Colby Parkinson and a Noah Fant who are going into the final year of their contracts. And so if you're looking beyond 2023, this still could be a position, especially with the depth at tight end in this year's draft class, that Seattle could be looking very closely. And I find it interesting when you look at the thresholds at this position because they've had a body type here as well. Now, there has been some variance in height in large part because of Colby Parkinson at 6 foot 7 but 248 to 262 pounds. They've been in a pretty tight area in terms of the body type weight wise they've been looking for in the draft. And also the 3 cone and the short shuttle, in particular the short shuttle, slower than a 4.6 2 time there, almost every player they've drafted has been very close to that time and that may be a coincidence, but it seems like they actually value those change of direction drills. Quite a bit with their tight ends and even players like Will Disley perform better in those two drills than you might have expected for a former defensive tackle. Otherwise, there's been some variance with the other drills, but they seem to have a body type and there seems to be a quickness and footwork that they're looking for from their tight ends.
1: Yeah, and that's, again, I think that why this is important to kind of look at the thresholds that Seattle has used, the tight end position, because this is a really good class of tight ends, as we've kind of talked about before. I'm going to highlight two tight ends in particular in this draft class that I think the Seahawks might be looking for, and for vastly different reasons. One plays a little bit more that Will Disley role. Notre Dame is Michael Meyer. He's, he is basically the full-service tight end, very physical at the point of attack. I'm curious to see what he runs in the 40-yard dash, because I don't see a guy who is an explosive athlete, has that great change of direction. The way that Dalton Kincaid from Utah, on the other hand, is a little bit more of that quick joker kind of tight end. Um, and, and he has terrific ball skills as well as greater quickness, greater straight line speed. I'm curious to see how Kincaid works out as well as his medical evaluation because he has struggled a little bit with durability over his career. So to me, those are two different tight ends at a, at a position where, as you say, the the Seahawks are fairly loaded, but they do have to – draft ahead for the future, I think that they're going to be taking advantage of this year's draft class. And that might be one of the surprise selections is how early Seattle targets a tight end.
0: All right. Last but not least, when you consider the needs for the Seahawks, Austin Blythe is going to be a free agent. They might release Gabe Jackson. They did just re-sign Phil Haynes, but many expect the interior offensive line to be an area that is aggressively pursued in terms of upgrades and free agency and the draft. You look at the thresholds at the interior offensive line. Now I don't have hand size and arm length on here because there's some data that's missing and you and I don't put up data if we don't have conclusive information, but I can tell you the smallest hand size for a center guard has been Joey hunt and smallest arm size has been Joey hunt hunt did have 10 inch on our 10 inch hands. So that offset the fact that he had just 30 inch arms, but otherwise the Seahawks have had, uh, away from that exception being Joey Hunt, they have looked six foot two to six foot six, 307 pounds to 327 pounds. So there has, again, there has generally been a body type. They've gone a little bit lighter a few times. They've gone a little bit heavier a few times. But even JR Sweezy would have fit into this metric drafted as a defensive tackle. And they also got decent three coated short shuttle drills. Five five one forty yard dash is the slowest time. Not emphasizing the forty with offensive linemen. That's okay. Although with tackles, we have noticed there's a trend where uh, guys that run in the four eights and four nines, they seem to be better NFL players more times than not. Those outstanding athletes. You want to look for those lateral movement skills though. And you can find those in the three cone and the short shuttle drill when you're looking at the quickness. And the Seahawks have been a bit more specific in what they've looked for there to go along with the fact that they have preferred players with arm lengths above 32 inches and with nine and a half inch hands or bigger.
1: Well, and that's, to me, what's so fascinating about this is as we just talked about, uh, you know, Seattle has very much gone a certain route uh, when it comes especially to the running back position tight end as well. Again, a little bit more variance at wide receiver. But, you know, of course, now with Andy Dickerson, the offensive line coach, I mean, you have some different ideas now that are going to be out there um, in in terms of what Seattle might be prioritizing offensive lines. I'm not so sure that the data that we're looking at actually truly represents what Seattle might be looking at this year. I do definitely agree that I think that you're going to see some uh, a, a focus on offensive linemen who have, you know, often or have the arm length. uh, It's 32 inches or bigger. I think that's going to be a priority just because, again, the way that Seattle likes to play the ball. I think that you're going to see that they are certainly still going to focus in on athletes, Um, but at the same time, I think that they're looking for somebody who's a little bit more than that 315 to 320 pounds if they're going to have them play in the interior of the offensive line. I am expecting to see a number at least at 25 to 30, preferably reps at 225 pounds. I want to see a mover or shaker at the front of of the tack uh, for Seattle. If they're going to be able to play the downhill type of football that they've played in the past, if they are going to be switching more to that quickness, then I don't think that you're going to see Seattle really make a move for those big, strong guys. There are offensive linemen. That's one of the things I like about this draft class at the center position, Corbin, um, is that there are basically a number of interesting prospects that basically fit just about every need. There really is no excuse. With all the draft picks that Seattle has, with the obvious need for center, I'd be stunned if the Seahawks don't finally Address their need for a a, a stout interior offensive lineman and one that has the experience to be your headline starter at the center position.
0: This is really the biggest curiosity going into this combine of the draft process because we haven't seen Seattle draft a center or a guard since Andy Dickerson came to town. And so I'm curious to see if they're going to be shifting away from those 330-pound guards like we've seen them have in recent seasons and going towards more athletic, smaller types. Or will they look for that 320-pounder that still is strong but can also move well? That would be the priority. We'll see what they end up doing, but certainly that's going to be a position worth watching as we dig into the meat of the offseason coming up next it's mock draft monday rob and i are going to be diving into two expert drafts one of them coming from nfl.com and another from cbs.com that had a really interesting outcome for the seahawks we're going to be discussing those prospects and our thoughts on the mock draft as a whole coming up next here on locked on seahawks This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. We are past the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. I'm a big fan of betting on player props, including FanDuel's player performance doubles. For example, you can bet on Klay Thompson to get five rebounds and the Warriors to win at plus 220. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets by going to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your home for Seahawks coverage five days a week, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad, as always, to be joined by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether this is your first time checking out the podcast or you are a diehard regular listener. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. It's Mock Draft Monday, and we're going to go back to some of the expert drafts. We've gone with some other things the last couple Mondays, looking at our own mock drafts, looking at fan mock drafts. Let's get back to the people that are paid to make these projections. And we're going to start with Daniel Jeremiah coming from NFL.com. And this one drew some waves nationally because a player that many have considered to be a home run top three pick ended up falling in his mock draft to the Seahawks at number five overall. And that's Will Anderson, the edge from Alabama, who had 17 and a half sacks two years ago. One of the most dynamic pass rushers you're going to find going into an NFL draft. And then a pick number 20, a player that's been a popular pick on mock draft for the Seahawks, including Rob picking him in his last mock draft, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the receiver from Ohio State. And what really made this interesting, is I mentioned, Will Anderson, most people consider a home run top three pick. But there was another edge rusher that we have mocked to the Seahawks a lot during this process that passed him on Daniel Jeremiah's list and was selected before Will Anderson, allowing him to fall to the Seahawks at number five overall.
1: Yeah, that that was the big shocker in Daniel Jeremiah's draft is the fact that he had Texas Tech's Tyree Wilson jumping from number five, as you mentioned, has been a popular selection for the Seahawks to the Arizona Cardinals, actually number three overall. And then Will Anderson dropping to Seattle number five. Now, hey, I, I personally like what Will Anderson has done over his career for the Alabama Crimson Tide even more than I like what Tyree Wilson has done for Texas Tech. And I certainly acknowledge that the, the greater size the, I what I expect to be incredible athleticism is going to be demonstrated by Tyree Wilson. but, I am telling you, I, I certainly think that Will Anderson is among the elite players in this draft class. And while I do think that a traditional edge rusher with his size is something that Seattle already has a little bit in Boye Mafe and and in Uchenna of course, and and you certainly have seen some flashes from Dale Taylor. All of them kind of come in at that 240 kind of pound range, but still. I think if Will Anderson Jr. was to be available at the Seattle Seahawks at number five, they either make the pick or they're going to have plenty of suitors who are going to be looking to aggressively move up to get him. So I think this would be a a very happy day in Seattle if this is exactly how things turned out.
0: This is one of those cases where you pick the best player available, even if you think you have some edge rushers like Uchena Nuoso, Dare Taylor. Will Anderson has a chance to be a perennial all-pro type talent, and he is a player that can play in a 4-3. He can play in a 3-4. If you watch how Alabama used him, they moved him, especially this last year, they moved him around the field a lot. So this is not just a guy that has been standing up off the edge wide nine all the time. He can do a number of different things. He can defend the run as well. So you might be sitting there thinking, we've got Uchenenuosu, we've got Daryl Taylor, we've got Boy Mafe," but – none of those players had the production in college for an elite program like what Will Anderson Jr. had at Alabama. And so I think you'd have to make that selection there if he falls as you at number five. And and here's the other thing worth noting. Daryl Taylor's got one year left in his contract. So it's not like this is another one of those position groups where you're looking more than a year down the road. That's going to be a need again. And the pass rush has been so hit and miss for the Seahawks. When you get a chance to get a blue chip pass rusher, which Will Anderson Jr. absolutely is. Then you gotta take that player. Now, the selection at number 20, I'm gonna admit, I'm not as high on Jackson Smith and Jigma, maybe as what you are. I do like the route running skills. I have some questions about what we saw this past season. That he had injuries, didn't get a lot of snaps out there. And I don't know necessarily that he fits what the Seahawks need right now. And they like speed. This is not a guy that I'm necessarily thinking might test as well as some of the other receivers out there. So I don't know. I just I'm I'm a little bit on the fence a little bit in terms of fit with what Seattle is looking for. At the same time, he is a guy that can move the chains, outstanding route runner can create after the catch. And we've talked about for years, how big of a need that is for the Seahawks. And so clearly, You, Daniel, Jeremiah, both view him as a receiver that could make a lot of sense as early as pick number 20 for the Seahawks.
1: Yeah, I think it makes some sense just because we've talked so much about how Seattle has lacked a reliable third option in the receiving game. And it's kind of ironic because Jackson Smith and Jigbin, as you just uh, kind of mentioned, um, didn't play a heck of a a lot this past season. He proved to be the opposite of reliable for the Buckeyes. And yet that is the kind of player that I think that he will be in the NFL. I see a very competitive, competitive player i see a guy with the body armor with the, the savvy route running and the soft hands to be a very effective slot target in the nfl and out of the box effective immediately and that to me is one of the exciting things about him but you also made a very savvy point there about the what, the way that seattle has prioritized speed with their early picks at the wide receiver position and jackson smith and jivgit does not have that type of speed. There are a lot of others that have that. Zay Flowers from Boston College, Josh Downs, uh, Josh Downs, excuse me, at North Carolina. Certainly a little bit later, Tank Dell from Houston. Uh talk about just ultra-productive receivers. Jordan Addison from USC, another one who could be available to Seattle at number 20 overall. All of those receivers, I think check the box that seattle has prioritized in the past as far as being a little bit more of a playmaker and again there's so darn many of them that it allows you a little bit more flexibility maybe seattle can go in a different route at number 20 overall because they have those two second round selections and perhaps could acquire more picks of course as we'll talk about in just a moment that that gives them an awful lot of flexibility to take one of those speedy wide receivers at a little bit more palatable point in the draft
0: yeah, you mentioned the trade-down option. One team that's a few picks behind the Seahawks that everybody's going to be mock, mocking uh, trade-downs with is going to be the Carolina Panthers, who need a quarterback. And, of course, we know the relationship between the two general managers as well. And so it would be a natural fit for the Seahawks and Panthers to make a trade with one another. And that's what Chris Trapasso of CBS.com had happened. He had the Seahawks trade down from number five to number nine with the Carolina Panthers. And then they picked Kalijah can the defensive tackle from Pittsburgh and then staying at number 20, the fan favorite in mock drafts. I'm telling you, everybody has the Seahawks picking John Michael Schmitz. They would love to see Minnesota's big, physical center coming to the Pacific Northwest. Well, Chris Trapasso has him coming at pick number 20. There's really no surprise there with that selection. I think that there's a good chance that John Michael Schmitz could go in the first round because there's a lot of people that believe, especially after the senior bowl, that he is the best center in this class. There was a center picked in the first round last year. I could see it happen again this year. If Seattle wants to get in, they might have to take him at number 20. Cansey is the one that is really fascinating here because this is going to be said by a lot of 12s out there. Well, I know he's undersized, but Aaron Donald was undersized, and he played at Pittsburgh, and Cansey played at Pittsburgh. So, of course, that's going to be a natural comparison that's going to be made. And when you put on the film, you can see some similarities in terms of game-wrecking ability as a pass rusher, and Kansi had at least seven sacks each of the last two years. But that size factor, especially in a 3-4 defense, it leaves me to question whether the fit is necessarily going to be there. Could he be one of your three tech four eyes and play that position well? Maybe he could develop into that. But I do think that those questioning his fit in a 3-4 defense, it would make some sense because if you're going to be doing two gapping, I don't know necessarily this guy has got the lower body on him in terms of physicality and strength to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that you would want him to be that that two gapping type of a guy in the three four, just because I mean he's, he's basically six foot two hundred and eighty pounds. Yeah. He is a natural penetrator, though. there's no doubt. And Pittsburgh used him up and down the line of scrimmage. I think that he could be a really dynamic wild card type of a player. So I understand what Trapasso is thinking here. Um, he certainly fits some of the things that Pete Carroll has prioritized in, the, prioritized in the past. He has shown a willingness to go with some of those. Was kind of shorter, stubbier defensive lineman. Obviously, Puna Ford being a great example of, of that. But Puna Ford was an undrafted free agent. And here we're talking about a top 10 selection. So I, I think that that is an important thing to kind of distinguish here as well. But again, Clancy is a absolute disruptive presence. And that's where I think that Seattle has to acquire somehow, some way. You, you figure out whatever scheme you want to do, call it whatever you want. You have to have people who are making it difficult for the opposing quarterback. And and as you said, with two consecutive seasons of seven-plus sacks from interior defensive linemen, and he's not just a passer. He's got 27.5 tackles for loss over the last – two years as well against elite competition at Pitt and the ACC. So this is a good player. But again, I just question the fit at this point for Seattle, assuming that the Seahawks are going to stick with uh, uh, more of a, a two-gapping kind of a defensive front and allow their linebackers really to be those pass rushers. Um, as far as John Michael Schmitz, I mean, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, and thank you, as Corbin often says, thank you for all of us. Um if you just saw the picture of him, I mean, the guy is just built like you want your center to be built and, and his experience in the big 10 and all the success that he's had as well as the senior bowl speaks for itself. Again, I, I like the depth of this year's center class, whether it be Tipman or Wisconsin at Vila at TCU, there's a number of other centers that I like a little bit later in the draft as well. I just don't know if number 20 is a little bit too rich. That's one of the reasons why I am kind of curious to see who the Seahawks actually start talking to a little bit at the combine at the, the senior bowl in the past all-star workouts to see who they're getting up on the grease board. Who have they been impressed with their intelligence? Because that is something that of course the Seahawks put an awful lot of faith in Austin Blythe a year ago. If they're going to replace him with a rookie, then he's going to have to be off the charts intelligent as well as strong and quick.
0: Yeah, but he has played a number of years in the big 10. He is a natural center He's played in a pro-style scheme. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to believe that he is going to be able to make that transition and yep. be a plug-and-play guy on day one. There's a reason that that buzz was coming out of the senior bowl in Mobile, too, the way that he just came right in and asserted himself in the middle of the offensive line. You can typically tell – when a center prospect at the Senior Bowl is one of those plug-and-play guys because he does that. He asserts himself and makes himself known there. And I just love the physicality on film. That's what was missing from Seattle the center position. No offense to Austin Blythe, but he's not a guy at 298 pounds is going to be knocking defenders off the ball. John Michael Schmitz does that in the rugged Big Ten week in, week out, and he was doing it at the Senior Bowl so the Seahawks, they need a center that can do that, that also checks off those other boxes. And John Michael Schmitz can absolutely check off all those boxes as, in my opinion, the number one center in this draft class. Probably the best chance to be drafted in the first round. Real quick, I just want to say this because this is one of the reasons we put that mock draft up here. With Seattle trading down, they actually got both of the second-round picks from the Carolina Panthers as part of that trade. So Seattle would have four picks in the second round. They already have two going into the draft, and we're not going to go through all these players, but just to give you an idea what kind of haul the Seahawks could get if they trade down just four spots. In that mock draft, the Seahawks got Army edge rusher Andre Carter, SMU receiver Rasheed Rice, Baylor, Hawking, nose tackle, Siaki Ika, and Georgia edge rusher, Nolan Smith with those four picks. So we're talking about four guys that I've heard some murmurs about first round with all four of those players. You could get that kind of talent around two with four selections just by moving down four spots with your first round pick and still get can at number nine. That's another reason why fans get so excited about trade down opportunities when you can load up on day two picks when you have a top five pick. You can get really good value back in return. So maybe that's something John Schneider does this year. We'll just have to wait and see. Coming up next here on Mock Draft Monday, we're going to be getting to our offensive players that have the most to gain this week in Indianapolis. We'll be looking at some quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, and, of course, offensive linemen. That'll be coming up next here on Locked on Seahawks. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Idaho, Florida, or Mexico. Thanks for making Locked On to the Awks your first listen five days a week. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked On NFL Draft. Damian Parson and Keith Sanchez provide in-depth coverage of the biggest NFL draft prospects with deep dives into the sleepers and hidden gems that can change your favorite NFL franchise. Find Locked On NFL Draft wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, more Combine talk. We have the Combine in Indianapolis set to kick off today, and you're going to have some workouts coming up tomorrow, interviews kicking off on Wednesday, coaches, general managers interviewing on Tuesday, so all the festivities is going to be coming here in the next 24 to 48 hours. Let's talk players on the offensive side of the ball that have the most to gain this week in Indianapolis, and Rob, I know you've been chomping at the bit all day to be talking about this particular player who's been mocked to the Seahawks. Maybe it's a position that some feel they don't need to draft early, but you just cannot help but be excited and intrigued by Anthony Richardson
1: yeah exactly i that's the biggest reason why i think that the seahawks or seahawks fans should be paying awful close attention to what's happening in indianapolis this week you certainly want to see just the athletic ability the size of anthony richardson who is going to just measure bigger and stronger and faster in terms of straight line speed than most quarterbacks there's going to be a guy malik cunningham for for louisville who's going to run in the four threes and I don't know that Richardson's going to be able to match that, but still, you're talking about a player who I think is going to draw comparisons to Cam Newton as well as Josh Allen, Ben Roethlisberger, just a big, massive man with an absolute cannon for an arm. But it's actually not the physical things that I really want the, the Seahawks fans to be kind of thinking about here. The Seahawks have a huge decision here. If, they, if they're going, if they're really going to be considering using number five overall selection, or if it's the 20th overall selection on a quarterback in this year's draft class, then you have to know that he has the, the mental attributes. He has the leadership. He has the um, you know all of those intangibles that people kind of talk about and, and kind of scoff at. But NFL teams take incredibly serious especially at the quarterback position. And Anthony Richardson is entering the NFL after just one season as a starter at the college level. He play, He was born in Miami, made the, the move to Gainesville, where, of course, he signed with the University of Florida. I mean, he basically played his entire career at the same, in the same location. How would he handle that move all the way across the country if he was to be the Seahawks pick? I, I promise you, the Seahawks are excited to see what Anthony Richardson do on the field field they and every other team out there who's considering quarterback are going to be equally interested in how he performs on the whiteboard in terms of uh dissecting defenses and things like that but just really getting to know him as a as a person and does he have the the traits that you're looking for to be the face of the franchise
0: i think the whiteboard talk is going to be critical for anthony Richardson going into this week because of that lack of experience and You know, he hasn't played very many games, and he's also coming from an offense that isn't necessarily a pro-style offense at Florida either. And so is he going to have the familiarity with a lot of the concepts that NFL teams like the Seahawks are going to be asking him to run at the next level? And so those meetings behind closed doors – are going to be the most important thing for him this week. But for those of us that don't have access to that, we are also really excited to see that cannon arm in the drills and watch him run the 40 and and put on a show in all the other combine testing because he has a chance to put in a historic outing at the combine in terms of his physical and athletic testing ability. Now, going to the running back position we talked about earlier, this is a position that's of need for the Seahawks, but not early necessarily because you have ken walker the third coming off his rookie of the year finalist season he looks like he's going to be your bell cow for the next several seasons but they could use another quality back to compliment him and there's all kinds of talent in the running back group this year but i think a name that is not getting enough buzz and maybe he's getting a little more with the way he played in mobile at the senior bowl but evan hall from northwestern You watch the kid run and he just screams Pete Carroll running back with his downhill style. He's got underrated quickness to run the zone game as well. Really hard nose. He falls forward every single time he's got the football in his hands. He weighed in at 212 at the Combine. I think he's going to be playing in that 215 to 218 range. So he's right in the meat of that threshold the Seahawks have had in terms of size of the running back position. And, oh, by the way, he also has really soft hands on the backfield. He was one of only three running backs in the entire country this year with at least 500 rushing yards and 500 receiving yards. So he could be a third down back. He can pass protect. This is a guy that I don't think is getting enough buzz Middle of day three could end up being an outstanding value pick as that change of pace running back to go with Ken Walker III. I want to see how he tests because a lot of people out there are going to think, man eh, he's probably a four seven guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he stuns people and runs in the low 4'5s or maybe even threatens for the high 4'4s because you could see that speed at the Senior Bowl.
1: You you can and I'm really interested to see which of these running backs who is as as you said is uh, you know with Hull being kind of perceived as a day three guy if any of them are able to put in some eye popping numbers uh, and and be able to to kind of you know, surprise scouts in that regard. But to me, Corbin, the I really want to focus in on uh, as far as the offensive skill position players and who I'm looking for at the at the, um, at the combine. In terms of workouts, and it's definitely going to be at the wide receiver position, to me, there's a bit of a glut of receivers that I think that Seattle is going to be considering in the late portion of the first round or somewhere in the second round. I think there's going to be seven or eight type of receivers if Seattle is willing to go a little bit more with either the shorter, quicker Type of avenue, or if they're gonna go with one of those big strong guys. I'll mention a big strong guy at the senior bowl. You kind of mentioned that previously with Evan Hole, one of the guys that really impressed uh at the senior bowl, myself and others was Stanford wide receiver Michael Wilson. This yeah. is a kid who's you know 6'2, 215 pounds. He looks exactly the part, but he has just been snowed so snake bitten by injuries. So his medical evaluation is gonna be is gonna be key. I think that he is gonna light up the combine truck in the same way that he did uh at the senior bowl uh again you're gonna see some explosive times from guys like tank dell at houston josh downs at north carolina Zay Flowers, to me, is one of the more interesting players, however, I think, in this entire wide receiver class. Um, his story, what, what he went through as a young man, he and his family, um, the, the the inspiration that he has drawn from a very hardworking father, I think he's the type of story with the type of production that the Seahawks have prioritized in the past as well. So he is another guy that I think is going to be interesting to see how he works out. But I also think that his interview it, it is going to be something that, uh, that Seahawks fans may want to pay attention to as well.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing that is exciting about this week is there's going to be a lot of stories that are going to come out. Maybe they're ones that are already known locally for the colleges where these guys played, but from a national perspective, there's always exciting stories in this pre-draft process that start to come out in the combine. And and Zay Flowers is certainly one of them that our listeners should be paying a close eye on not just because he's a talented player but because of his story to get to this point is certainly an inspirational one you mentioned the name Michael Mayer earlier from Notre Dame I could talk receivers maybe Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee a guy that put up ridiculous numbers this year and for some reason is not getting as much buzz in the pre-draft process as what some people anticipate I want to see him go out and test and silence some of those critics because I think he's a fantastic football player. That's just for some reason, he's not being mentioned by most experts as one of the top receivers in this class. But in the tight end position, Michael Mayer, as you mentioned on film, you don't see a guy, he's not going to be running four fours out there. This is not one of those blazing athletes. In fact, he might be closer to putting up Will Disley's numbers in terms of 40 and three cone and short shuttle times. But he is such a good football player. If he goes out there and it eclipses the times that I'm anticipating, and maybe most scouts are viewing, you know, he's going to be an average tester at best. But if he goes out and surprises and runs faster in the 40 than anticipated, or he does better in the jumping drills or the uh, quickness drills, change of direction drills, if he just outperforms expectations, to already go with his reputation as a hard-nosed blocker that can catch the football, move the chains, then he may solidify his spot as a tight end that makes it in the first round. I think he's already been getting some buzz there because he is a darn good football player. But he really could carve out that first-round draft spot by testing better than expected here at the Combine. He is one of those guys where truly the athletic testing could make him a ton of money. It could lose him some money, too, if he goes out and flops.
1: Yeah, that's what's going to make him one of the fascinating ones. And I love that you mentioned Jalen Hyatt, the Tennessee wide receiver. Cedric Tillman, his other partner in crime uh, at Tennessee. Of course, their quarterback, Kendon Hooker, is something that we've talked about as well. I think there's going to be an awful lot of eyes on all three of those gentlemen obviously Tennessee's quarterback hooker is coming off of ACL tear so he is not going to be participating in the athletic events but how is his recovery coming along that's going to make him another player I think the Seahawks are going to be checking in on and again with Hyatt basically he wasn't asked to do much except run it in a straight line at Tennessee so how strong is he in terms of being able to diagnose defenses get him on the whiteboard or really kind of pour into him scouts haven't had an opportunity to do that the way they have with some of these other senior players who've gone to all-star games so these interviews of the underclassmen is going to be really scouts first opportunity general managers and coaches first opportunity to really get to know some of these young men when their agent isn't right there it's a closed setting um, and, and that's where again you start to develop these relationships they're going to help you determine if this is one of the handful or maybe up to a dozen players so you're going to be bringing in from this rookie draft class that's going to help your team move forward
0: real quick offensive line This is not the event in terms of athletic testing where I'm really doing much observation-wise with offensive linemen. I'm going to be honest with you. I will look at the numbers, but I want to watch the tape with these guys. And one player that has really jumped up my board watching tape has been Tipman, the center from Wisconsin. Absolutely love the way he plays the game. Wisconsin offensive linemen, they've got a good track record of being solid players in the NFL. It's an offensive line factory, but He's a little taller than you see centers typically at six foot six, and yet he plays with really good leverage. He can zone block. He can block downhill, and he's another one of those players that can win at the line of scrimmage, and I think he might be in competition for that second center spot behind John Michael Schmidt. You might have two Big Ten guys going one and two for your centers. Tipman is one of the few players here that I could see really boost his draft position, not just by testing well, but where his measurables are at in terms of arm length, hand size, and height and weight, where he ends up fitting into those thresholds for teams, including the Seahawks. He is a player I'm going to have a very close eye on this week.
1: That's an excellent uh, point to make. I think that Tipman is going to make himself an awful lot of money because he is a big, very good athlete for, for a man of his size. I'll, I'll mention a local guy, Jackson Kirkland from Washington. is going to have a lot of eyes on him. He struggled with durability as well, but he is built for this type of uh, you know workout setting. I think that he is going to create some buzz for himself also. Again, like you, Corbin, I don't pay that much attention to the offensive line workouts. It what matters to me is when they got their helmets and shoulder pads on, the senior bowl being much more important to me. But at the same time, I am looking to see who are some of the smaller school players, who are some of the guys who are going to impress with their athleticism and and get a little bit more attention moving forward.
0: As always, you can follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. You can follow Rob at RobRang. Check out Locked on Seahawks. We're on all major podcast platforms and streaming video form five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, it's Transaction Tuesday. We'll have another roster-related decision for our listeners to chime in on. May have something to do with the Combine this week. Hint, hint. And we'll be looking at some defensive thresholds as well. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of your Monday. Go Hawks.